Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. Today, we want to start off talking about pain. When pain is meant to wake us up to another part of us that is screaming to be heard, we have no way of allowing pain to be that thing that has the potential to catalyze immense transformation within us. And what a shame. We're not taught to be curious about it. We're taught to fix it, avoid it, feel bad about it, but we are not taught curiosity. And I think that's one of the most important things when we are suffering, to turn towards that pain, that suffering with curiosity. <laughs> it's our first episode. We're, we're really swinging it out of the park. My name is Mildred Murillo. I go by Millie. I am an astrologer and mindfulness coach. My co-host, who I am so honored and thrilled to be doing this amazing project with, is Ashley Torrent, and I'm going to lend her the space to introduce her awesome self. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley, and I am a psycho-spiritual counselor and intuitive medium. I'm also a spiritual teacher. I teach people the practice of spiritual mediumship, and it's a practice to deepen your spiritual practice, your spiritual connection, enhance your spiritual perception, and strengthen your intuition. Ashley and I um, are coming together on this podcast to talk about spirituality and really how to ground spirituality and see spirituality unfold in our daily lives, unfold in the mundane. Um, Ashley and I met through her classes. I, I'm actually still um, a student in one of her classes, and she has really helped me develop my uh, intuition, mediumship, and just genuinely just help me genuinely connect with my inner voice and, and trust that as guidance. And so this idea came to me as an intuitive hit. I feel it was a hit from spirit saying, you need to do a podcast with Ashley. And so I brought it to her and I think I brought it to her about a month ago or so. And, and here we are. And so we want to talk about the beauty of pain. Even when it doesn't feel beautiful, even when it breaks our hearts, when it does all of the things that it does. And so the reason that I wanted to, that we wanted to touch on that, and particularly today, so just so you all know, we are going to align our episodes with astrological aspects particularly with where the moon is transiting for the day. By the time the episodes air, that won't be the actual climate at the time, but it will be aligned with our topics on the day that we record. I wanted to put that out there just so that you guys are aware of our source of inspiration. And so today, it just so happens that the moon is transiting the sign of Leo. And Leo is described as a lot of things extroverted, excited, uh, the center of attention, creative. Anytime that we think of Leo, a lot of people tend to think of JLo, for instance. And it's absolutely true. She's, she is um, a Leo through and through. But the energy of Leo is more than that. And so the energy of Leo at his essence, it teaches us that we want to be held and understood for all that we are, 
for all that encompasses how we shine in this world. And to shine in this world isn't just to shine from a positive light, but it's really to be able to express ourselves in the most genuine way, whatever that means. It is the, the acknowledgement of being real and the acknowledgement of being vulnerable and learning to witness ourselves in our wholeness and therefore understanding when perhaps others are not meeting us in our wholeness or holding us in that space, right? Uh, a, a really uh, amazing astrologer that I look up to, Stephen Forrest, he says that if there is no emotional risk, then what is the point? He says that if whenever we're going to embark into anything and in life and in general, a lot of times we try to avoid pain that comes in so many ways in life. And if we're trying to somehow avoid that, then all we're doing is just making noise in this lifetime. That it is absolutely necessary to experience certain things that can help us grow and evolve. And a lot of times growth and evolution comes with pain. Yes, definitely. I love that, the quote that he says, you know, or what you were talking about, just making noise. Because I feel like if we aren't moving through the world and expressing ourselves and our most authentic self, then we are just making noise and perhaps chaos and distracting ourselves. Right, right. I love that you brought up chaos because currently the south node, which represents an evolutionary point in the sky, uh, is transiting the sign of Scorpio. And Scorpio, at a lower level of manifestation, in a lower level of consciousness, it represents simply operating from chaos and, and a chaos that causes stagnation in our lives. Essentially, we're trying to control everything in order to escape everything else. And that may seem a little broad in that almost incessant need to control is as if we feel that that's the place where we are safe. And Scorpio energy reminds us that when we remain stuck in that dark place, there is no way to befriend that dark place. There is no way to befriend that shadow. There is no way to open up our perception to looking at that shadow from a different perspective. Now, this isn't about pretending that what is happening isn't happening. This isn't about pretending that what we're feeling isn't what we're feeling. But if pain is inevitable, why are we afraid of pain? And that's where we want to start. Why are we so afraid of pain? I think as a culture, we're taught to move away from it. I mean, from the time, you know, our children are born or we're born, you know, us crying out, our parents usually want to try to soothe that or stop that. Um, I think we get the message that discomfort should be fixed. And Unfortunately, as we grow up, we learn to move away from those feelings. For instance, my children are 9 and 12. And when they do something wrong, they'll often feel guilty. You know, wrong meaning they've hurt someone's feelings, they've said something they regret. And they'll say, Mom, I hate this feeling, this guilt. I hate this feeling. And I really try to work with them and just to be present with it and remind them that that feeling is a reminder that you won't do that again that you won't cause harm to that person. And instead of using this discomfort to teach our children or ourselves 
that something's asking to be healed, we just want to avoid it. But it's interesting if we're in physical pain, we most often will go to a doctor or take a drug to alleviate it or, well, I guess it's the same. Instead of trying to get to the root of the symptoms, we often try to alleviate the symptoms. Um, and I think, unfortunately, as I'm saying it now, a lot of Western medicine is about alleviating symptoms rather getting to the root of pain. And that's what we do spiritually and emotionally. We try to get rid of the symptoms. And I think we turn to addiction. We turn to shopping, spending money, consumerism, social media, anything to get away from our pain, which is saying something needs your attention. Something in you is suffering. And that pain is saying, help me so I can change, so I can evolve. Right, right. I love that that you brought up your children because I think that that's, that's where we learn when we are children. That's when we learn how to deal or not with pain. And so those feelings of guilt, those feelings of, of, of heaviness, right? I was never taught that that guilt or that feeling that I couldn't shake off was information. If anything, if anything, I was taught that that information was meant to shame me, that that information was that that pain that I felt from, you know, causing someone else pain in a certain way meant that there was something essentially at my essence wrong with me. Can you imagine the makeup <laughs> that is, is created from that in a person to where something, yes. something comes up for them and it's like, good, you should feel that. Now, you, now you'll know. Now you know not to do that again. How do you create a relationship with discomfort, with pain, when your caretakers taught you that those things are meant to, to punish you? Right. No, I think that's a really good question. I think the difference is how I hold it with my kids. That shame is you are bad. Guilt is a feeling that says I did something bad. And I use bad in quotes, like my kids aren't bad for the things that they do. But I think we're used to either feel shame for things we do wrong instead of learn from those mistakes. And we're learned to also avoid, you know, there's, there's parents that are like, oh, you know, just suck it up, move on, get over it, move past that. It's not used to build compassion in, wow, I did something that really hurt somebody and I never want to do that again. It's either shame or just move on and get over it. So there's no learning from the guilt or learning from the mistake. And there's also no compassion built in awareness of others in maybe how we learn to interact with others. Oh my God. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. That's such a good point. That's such a good point because I mean, at least personally, the way that I saw that unfold for me was that I grew up as someone, especially in my romantic relationships, that my partners weren't allowed to make any kind of mistakes they weren't allowed you know to be human because if they did do something wrong that meant that there was something wrong with them that meant that i could use that and even mm -hmm. saying that now it feels so it feels heavy it feels heavy in my chest because i, I don't think that any human being who is genuinely trying their best to be human <laughs> should be right. should be held to to those to those standards that lack so much compassion. The, the mm -hmm. lack of compassion is just, 
is what really makes us so um what's the word i'm looking for it makes us cold it kind of sedates us from yes from actually allowing pain to do what it needs to do from actually allowing pain to wake us up so when we're in a space where everyone around us has been taught that we should feel ashamed of our pain rather than using it as a form of information there's a very cold environment if you will that is created and a lot of people are raised in that type of environment that very cold environment so then pain becomes something like you said that we really tried to push away and avoid what happens is that when pain is meant to wake us up to another part of us that is screaming to be heard we have no way to to acknowledge it as a part of us trying to wake us up we have no way of allowing pain to be that thing that has the potential to catalyze immense transformation within us and and what a shame we're not taught to be curious about it we're taught to fix it avoid it or feel bad about it but we are not taught curiosity and i think that's one of the most important things when we are suffering to turn towards that pain, that suffering with curiosity, you know, with first to be a witness to it. I mean, I like to imagine our pain is like a little kid in the corner who's asking to be seen and heard. You know, would you turn away from a child who was kicking and screaming or having a hard time? Hopefully not. You would hopefully turn towards that child and, and be curious, be a witness first and be curious. So I really notice that when something rises in my body, I try to first acknowledge what it is I'm feeling and then try to trace back what could have triggered that feeling. What is this showing me? What is this asking me to look at? Um, and there's a difference between, you know, our mind goes off on its tangents, our ego goes off on its tangents and it tells old stories. And there's a difference between old tapes being played that, that need our presence to kind of silence them when we can say, oh, this old tape is playing, but nothing's happening in this moment. I don't need to really listen to that. But there's also the ego shouting stories like, you're not good enough, you're a failure, you should be doing more with your life. Um, you know, it just, often the ego is putting us down, but if we pay attention to it and get curious, there's often a story there. It's often trying to bring our attention to something that needs to be healed. And if we take out the critical voice of the ego and the way it communicates with us, but distill down the message, I think there's something really important there. I think it's saying, hey, this is the place in your life where you haven't evolved. You still haven't dealt with the feelings of not being good enough. You still haven't paid attention to the fact that this relationship is not a healthy one. You hate your job. You're not a loser for hating your job, but maybe it's time to figure out what you want to do. But the ego's tactics are off-putting for sure. Absolutely. And, and that's how we can allow pain to transform us, right? That's how we can cultivate a relationship with that with with that part of ourselves there are again it just from my personal experience there are still those narratives right those narratives certain thoughts certain mechanisms um, that come from a traumatized nervous system but what has allowed me to give those thoughts reactions all of those things a space of their own and therefore space from me so that I don't fully identify with those things anymore 
has been surrendering to all of my pain. That's what has allowed this, like, this very distinct distance to occur. And what happens in that space is that I like to call it broadening our bandwidth to hold the vastness that we are. So when we surrender to pain, when we allow pain to transform us, when we allow ourselves to cry, to be angry, to say the things that we need to say that have been suppressed for so long, when we do that in safe space, especially, and hopefully guided by someone who can, who can hold that space for us, there is liberation unlike anything I've ever experienced. There is a liberation from feeling like I'm enslaved to an anger, to, to this pain that I can't fully verbalize, that I sometimes can't put words to. But how can we? How can we verbalize and put words to something that we haven't been taught to create a, a relationship with? Right. Now, I, I want to say that as far as the surrender goes, I think surrender is so powerful because it brings us into the present moment. When we're not surrendered, we're in a state of resistance. So if we're feeling pain, we're feeling suffering, heartache, whatever it is, and we don't want to feel it, we're in resistance, which usually means we're afraid of it. But when we step in to acceptance and we surrender to what it's here to teach us, not only can our body catch up and process all the emotions, we begin to feel the emotions underneath the pain. We get the information, the, the details underneath it that have something important to tell us. And if we've never had someone be a witness to us or guide us along or teach us how to do this, I think it's really hard. I know that for me, I could not witness my feelings. I couldn't witness myself. And um, sitting with a therapist on a regular basis was so helpful because her presence taught me, one, that I was deserving of compassionate presence. It taught me that my pain can be heard, that she didn't shy away or wasn't disgusted by the darkest parts of myself. Sitting with my therapist of 17 years, Julie Winter, regularly taught me that I am lovable. And to have her gaze upon me with such love and kindness and compassion was a gift. And it taught me eventually to turn that to myself. Um, and I have to be honest, you know, not having a witness as, as a child, not having anyone listening to me or being curious about my experience was the reason I became a therapist. I wanted to be a compassionate witness to other people's lives, not just to their pain, but to their joy, because we need this. We need to be taught. And so if it's a therapist or a coach or any other healing modality, I say, don't be ashamed of it. You know, I laugh. I pay, I have two therapists now. I pay them for their presence. But you know what? I didn't have family and it's worth every penny. For me, it's like paying the electricity bill. It keeps the lights on. A good therapist, a good coach, a good teacher models for us what we never got. And it teaches us how to sit with ourselves. And now at this point in my life, I can sit with my pain. I actually parented my inner child today. And I was like, this is a miracle. I listened to her and I told her how brave she was. And I couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Right. Maybe even three years ago, maybe even last year. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. It gets more and more profound the longer 
we are intentional with it, the more that mm -hmm. we, like you said, you, you have two therapists now, right? I think over the last two years, I've had two therapists and two different coaches for different things, but it has all boiled down to, I, I am worth this and, and not necessarily the amount of money, but I am worth someone teaching me how to be with myself, <laughs> how to yeah. deal with the pain that comes with my insecurities. Sometimes it's there all day, every day, all yes. day, every day. And it's like, I hear you. I hear you, my love. I know, I know. But you know what? Things are different now. It's okay. It's safe now, right? And really, I can't remember having that space, definitely not consistently growing up and even into my 20s. So it really does take someone kind of holding our hand and teaching us and showing us. And, and it's such a beautiful thing to do for yourself. Again, it, the, the more you do it, the more consistent you are with it, the deeper and deeper you get. And that's exciting. Yes. That's freaking exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. I also, as far as transforming pain, I think one of the things that coaching and therapy and any kind of work like this can help us with, it first helps us acknowledge what happened to us. And that's a really brave step in transforming our pain. We need to understand. We need to connect the dots. We need to be able to say out loud the things that have happened to us, to speak our truth. I think all these modalities are so helpful in allowing us not to be a victim of what happened to us, but to be in, in a share of the responsibility, to give the responsibility to those that maybe perpetrated our suffering or harmed us in ways that are unspeakable. But also, there's an interesting thing as far as transforming pain that I think spirituality comes in. I think once you get the puzzle pieces together, it can be difficult to move past that victim place, that understanding place, because I think we do need time to sit there and feel empowered and understanding who we've become. But when we add spirituality to those puzzle pieces, it, it makes the picture clear. It takes those puzzle pieces and it puts them together. So we can understand where I've been, what has happened to me, and how can this pain transform me? Who am I meant to become because of what happened to me? And I remember sitting in that place of, you know, victim place too long. I sat there too long, and I remember looking at myself one day going, it's time to move on. But the only thing that allowed me to move on was when I understood that everything that had happened to me allowed me to be able to sit with people in their pain. It allowed me to fill that purpose that I so believed in and was such a big part of my heart. And without it, I don't think I could be that compassionate witness that I wanted to be. I agree. That's, that's, so, that's so lovely and it's so beautiful. And I think that spirituality is, is that, that connection to who we genuinely are, that connection to our light mm -hmm. that reminds us, oh, there's a greater context. Yes, there's a much greater context. And, and again, as we ease into it, as we delve more, and mind you that, I mean, at least for me, I've had to remind myself to be patient in the process, that greater context, all of a sudden then aligns us with our purpose, 
or with a sense of purpose or with a clear idea of purpose because layer by layer we begin to again get in touch with parts of ourselves that that were not there before i think that astrology is something that that's why i fell in love with astrology the way that i did astrology has been a part of my life my entire life but when i really delved into it i was very fortunate to have uh, a mentor who was also a therapist and who used astrology in his practice and so i was able to learn astrology from that perspective but it was always a holistic spiritual perspective so for me astrology became like this it just opened my eyes in a way that i didn't know was possible a way that it was a different lens to look at my pain through i think that that's also a way of of going to therapy and naming certain emotions naming certain reactions naming certain things that we don't have again the 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 vocabulary for sometimes we just know what is inside of us is very uncomfortable astrology did that for me and what helped me become patient with the process was mm -hmm. the fact that astrology works in cycles and it works in transits and every single cycle and every single transit lasts a certain amount of time and i can't make those things go any faster so in my very human rational mind mm -hmm. i thought oh my god it's all purposeful for as long as it is real for as long as it is active within me and all of a sudden it was that really mm -hmm. clear connection to spirit okay i i can see it in a chart i can see the transits happening they were going to happen in this way anyway then there's a greater purpose then there's a connection there's something much bigger in that and now i'm not saying that that this is how astrology hits everyone or that you know if you go to an astrologer that this is the uh experience that you're meant to have i'm going back to what you were saying that whatever modality allows you to connect with that greater context for me it just happened to be that and that is the way that i practice astrology uh for myself mm -hmm. and with my clients mm -hmm. no that, that makes that makes so much sense i think well, one, what I appreciated about my therapist is she was a psycho-spiritual counselor as well. So spirituality was always a part of it. And with my clients, whether they're aware of their spiritual beliefs or perspective, I don't push it on anybody, but I have a greater hold that when it arises, that I'm there to support them as they explore this. But I have seen people get stuck and without spirituality, people stay stuck. As far as the cycles go, I really wish I'd had the understanding of astrology in my darkest moments, you know, especially when I was in a Pluto return, which is for a long, long time, heavy, heavy um, transformation. But with even without astrology, I notice within myself, something rises, it's painful, something, if I'm listening, my intuition says it's time to do this. And I'm like, here we go. And Sometimes I'm more graceful about it than others, but I've really learned to welcome the lesson. I've learned to write. It's like a wave. I need to ride it. It's going to be painful. It's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes I forget it's happening. Sometimes I get lost in my ego. And then I remember, oh, yeah, this is what I'm working on. This is, this is a challenge for me. Well, what I want to say is as I ride that wave, I usually experience grieving. I need to grieve the loss of something. Usually it's something that my child self didn't get something that I'm having to learn as an adult that I really wish I already had. But as I grieve and I move through that wave of pain, 
I make room for joy, which before spirituality, I didn't have a lot of joy. Before I learned to transform my pain and grieve, I was a desert. I cried very rarely. I was, I felt like I had a plexiglass wall between me and the world. I couldn't take the world in. I couldn't open my heart. A lot of things were at arm's length. And then when I started processing my pain on a deeper level, I found the joy and it was really powerful. It it definitely gives you a different appreciation, but it almost redefines joy. At least that was my experience and and what I've seen, um, again, with clients. There is joy. There is joy in the mundane because there is spirituality in the mundane. There is a way to connect with something that just reminds you that you're here and you're alive and you're as well as you can be. And I'm very active on a daily basis. And so I'm always incredibly grateful, regardless of the day that I'm having, of the fact that I can move, that I can walk, that I can dress myself, that I can brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. And and these things, these weren't things that used to occur to me. These are things that I used to take for granted, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that we do. We it, It's just a part of life. It doesn't make us awful, but it is in, in the pain of everything that we, we go through, what I've been through. I think it's just made clear and continues to make clear what is truly important, what does truly matter, what it has done. Obviously, it has led me to this work. It has led me to hold space for people in, in, in the way that I do. Pain doesn't stop being pain, but I came to the realization that that is how Mildred, the identity, was woken up to something much greater than what I was doing, to something much greater than just consuming and working myself to, you know, to the bone and hustling all the time and doing all of those things that were really about me trying to find a purpose, trying to find my place in the world while avoiding all of the stuff that was screaming inside of me. When I connected to the pain and then that led me to connect to spirituality, all of a sudden this vehicle had a direction and not a clear direction, not like, you know, had five miles in this direction and then turn left. It was like, I'm willing to be led. And that's direction enough. And how, how long, because I, I just want to make it clear, because some people, as we talk about this, it's not this one moment that happens. Oh so I wanted to ask you, how many moments, like how many knocks on your window, on your door, right? you know, how many bricks were thrown <laughs> to get your I'm attention? I'm glad you brought that up, um, because that's a really good point. So I, I see this, I don't know, evolution, if you will, um, as an ongoing thing right? But I think that that moment, I think that moment was maybe around 2019, where I was trying to continue living the life I was living. I was working in the corporate world and I was really trying to make that work because that was what sustained me, gave me the life that I wanted to live, but my heart and my soul weren't in it and my health was suffering because of it. And I I used to get really, really awful pains in my stomach um, that I thought was gastritis, but 
later I learned that is where my solar plexus is. And my solar plexus was trying to get me out of this environment that I was, I just outgrew, but I outgrew from a different place. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to digress, but please do. It's, it, huh? Please do. It's okay. Yeah. I think it took me, it took me several years from the time, from the time that I started like therapy, which was around 2014, 2015, to the time that I actually made a decision to fully be with me, with my pain, fully acknowledge it. And of course, that was about four years. Mm-hmm. Of course, that, you know, that was, yes, I was closer to it. There was a better understanding to it but I wasn't fully surrendering. Hmm. And my body said, you cannot be in this space and pretend that you're still doing the work. Now, this isn't to tell people quit your job or do something that, you know, something drastic to, to acknowledge your pain. I'm just saying that that's how it happened for me. And it took several years for me to get it. We are so multi-layered. We are so complex. And when when we can appreciate that, when we stop trying to put a timeline to things, and I say this with no judgment, I say it because that was me. I kept thinking like, oh, maybe a year from now, I'll just be better. I'll be better. I'll totally get it. Things will just be perfect. (laughs) It'll go away. It's like, no. Now it's like seven years later. Am I farther along? Absolutely. Is there more? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a process. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, Yeah. it definitely did. And I was sitting there thinking it is a process and it has fits and starts. And sometimes we don't want to keep going and we don't have the stamina to keep going. Mm -hmm. I know that it didn't, gosh, it's been 20 years since I probably stepped on my healing path. But only when I studied mediumship, which was maybe three to four years ago, did something huge happen for me. Because I still, as I was processing my life and going to therapy, And even kind of figuring out my spiritual beliefs, I still felt abandoned by God, in quotes. I still felt like there is nothing else. And I couldn't sit with myself. And I didn't know what I believed about spirit. And then when I studied mediumship, and it forced me to, forced me, it's something I absolutely love. So it didn't force me, but it asked me to surrender completely to communicate with the other side, to support people intuitively in soul-to-soul connections. And when I saw that we are not alone, that our loved ones are on the other side, when I saw that I can connect to someone's soul and offer support and guidance around something they're going through, I started asking for signs. I started noticing things in my life. It was like the world just became magical. It it changed everything for me. And it was that practice of showing up because mediumship is like a magic trick. You know, you just have to trust that these loved ones are there. This energy is there. And I showed up regularly and there was always something there. And then I would take it in my outdoor life, meaning nature, and I would ask for signs. And my husband back then would laugh at me and he was like, you just, he's like, you just think everything's magical. And I was like, it is, look around. (laughs) More birds started showing up, all kinds of things. But my point being is that's what really transformed my life as far as stepping on my spiritual path on a deeper level. And since then, what I've noticed is cultivating that spiritual practice. I hear my soul loud and clear, probably 85 to 90% of the time. I can recognize what the next cycle is, like you said, what the next lesson is. 
I don't feel alone. I don't feel abandoned at all. In fact, I feel incredibly supported. And as I live out my purpose, not just what I do, but my purpose in experiencing joy and experiencing connection and love. I love what you said about um, feeling supported because I think that that's something that we have to invite into our lives. I think that working with you, working with spirit, uh, working and, and practicing mediumship, which, you know, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still iffy about when it comes to me, at least. I, I right. You're incredibly believe. gifted, which I think is really <laughs> <laughs> But the sense of, of feeling guided didn't really hit me until I, until I allowed the deepest parts of my pain to really be acknowledged. Yeah. I don't know that those two are directly correlated. But what I found happened is that the things that I suppressed for so long, the anger, resentment, hate, when I started acknowledging those things within myself, and this is really difficult because this was in relationship to my mother. When I started really just giving myself the space to feel all of that, to acknowledge all of that, to process all of that, to, to say those things out loud, which I had never said out loud until I was in therapy. There was like this flood. There was like this, that stagnant, murky water that was there. It just kind of dissipated. And it lightened me from the inside to where it opened this part of me where I acknowledged, oh my God, I'm able to feel all of that, cry all of it, feel it in every part of my body, viscerally experience this emotional pain, and I'm okay. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you, and, go ahead. and I don't want to simplify that, right? I, I don't want to simplify that at all. But something happens in that space where it is very true. When we let go of something, we leave room for something else to come in. And it was in that it was at that time. And mind you, this was like within the last two years, right? right? Uh, 2020, I had Pluto right on my son to the degree for almost a year. Like that was it. At the time I, I, I told my therapist, I feel like I'm mourning every single day. I feel like something has died and I feel the heaviness and I would wake up crying and I would wake up feeling, but thankfully I'd done enough work at the time to say, okay, it's okay to feel this. It's time to feel this. It's okay yes. to let it. And guys, for those listening, this was a year. In that year, I realized why people don't feel supported. I realized why sometimes people feel like they want to die. When we don't have the greater context, when we don't have a connection to something bigger than ourselves, and not just to pretend, not just to say, yeah, 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 I, I, there's something there. No, like it has to be like a genuine understanding. And if that's not there, I totally get it. <laughs> I totally get why. Yeah. It's a dark place, pain. I think if we don't move through the process of healing, we confront death on some level at different degrees you know, whether it's suicidal ideation or actively planning, but also just the thought of what is the purpose of this? I can't live anymore. I know I was there. I was there. I remember the day I had to decide, am I going to have one foot here and one foot out the door or am I going to stay here? 
And that was a spiritual moment I recognize now, but something made me believe. Something kept me here. And I can now see it for what it was in the moment. I just feel like it was a miracle. Uh, But this pain, it can take us to those places. And sometimes we just need to admit, this hurts so bad, I don't know how to do this anymore. And we also need a safe space to say that without people panicking. I say that because sometimes we just need to be able to say the darkest thing inside of us and know that somebody can hear it and witness it and hold it with love and maybe even say, I get it. I've been there too. Does that make sense? Oh my God. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I, there is, I, I don't think that there is any way that I can show up for people, for my clients without this profound understanding and experience of pain. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds really, I don't know. It sounds a little morbid, but no, I think it's true. true. I think it's true. I think the things that have happened to us make us better able to support people, to support others. I absolutely agree. I look at, at the catalog of pain in my life. And I think that happened and that happened and that happened all so that I can sit. Sometimes I'll even hear a client say something and I'm like, all that may be just for this moment that this person knows they're not alone. Like that, that's how I feel. And not to be grandiose, but to be able to connect to that person in a heartfelt way when they may have never been connected before, may have never had anyone understand before. It's powerful. Oh my God. Yes. To feel seen in spaces that feel like the lowest moments of your lives, where where you don't even know what to do with it, to feel seen, for someone else to to be so kind enough to put words to it, it's life changing. Yeah, it's life changing, and to me, that is how I can reconcile the yeah. purpose of pain. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Somehow it makes the ride worth it. Right. <laughs> right. I did want to say, some, was, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I did want to say when you were talking about the grief you felt in 2020 about your relationship to your mother, but processing that grief, how it made you more connected spiritually. If the heart is the voice of the soul and our heart is clouded with grief and anger, I mean, grieving is the demon of the heart chakra as Anodea Judith says. So if our hearts are clouded with grief and we don't take the time to move through that grief or grieve what needs to be grieved, then our signal to our soul, that connection is lost. And as we move through the grieving process and we clear that space and our heart begins to open, we can listen. I mean, that, that soul has a direct connection to us, you know, but it can't have a direct connection to us if we're suppressing or denying or moving away and not honoring our pain. It's, it's this, right. the processes are so a part of each other, the grieving and making room for the soul voice. It's, it's such a part of each other. That's not the, really the right words that I want to say, but I think you understand. I do. I do. It, it, I will say this, it really walking through my pain and, and walking slowly through it gave me a different appreciation for contrast in general. Mm-hmm. Like it, it allowed me to look at, at any contrast that life throws my way as what is this trying to teach me now? Is that the way I receive it immediately all the time? Absolutely not. 
But even if I do react to a situation, I'm much quicker about saying, okay, wait a minute, let me come back. At its essence, it's about choosing love over fear, right? But I like, I like to think of it as how necessary contrast is. Yeah. I like to think of it from, from that perspective. Contrast is absolutely necessary because, and it can only be acknowledged, I feel, when we traverse our own pain. Yeah. Then our human reconciles the purpose of that pain. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, I know what that pain feels like. I know that there was a purpose. I created uh, a spiritual connection to something greater than myself or to the self, capital S, right? Now, when, when life comes at me with contrast, it's almost like I understand it from a different perspective. I can receive it differently instead of just pushing it away. Right. Pain expands us. Pain really does expand us. It's not fun, but when we're open and willing, we become more open and willing to life in general. Yes. Without it, we don't evolve. Without it, we become complacent. Yeah. And the contrast has really made me appreciate the light and the dark because mm. through pain, I experience so much more light. Actually moving through the pain and experiencing it and feeling it deeply makes my capacity for joy even bigger which is strange. It's almost like the, the more intense the pain or the period or the lesson, the larger capacity for joy I have on the other side. Yes. Yes. And, and I think that's a really lovely note to, to leave with. This is a, this is a heavy topic and we wanted it to be our first episode. <laughs> so in case you are wondering what this is about, this is what we're going to be talking about. How, how do you not talk about transformation? How do you not talk about these, these things that just allow you to get to know yourself better, right? I mean, to me, that's, that's the way my brain works now. Like, I don't want to know anything other than astrology and how we work. And, and that's, that's probably very narrow, but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated because I'm on the other side of that period of my life of course you know more will come but there's a different understanding there's a different understanding of myself there's a different understanding of others a different connection a much softer softer part of myself and i'm softer with others much more compassionate and understanding of others finally genuinely understand my mom from a different perspective you know i used to understand in my head she did the best she could with what she knew in my head, I try to convince myself, okay, that's enough. Like that she did the best she could. Okay. I can understand that. No, that's not good enough. I needed to traverse everything. And now that same phrase has a different feeling. It has a different definition within me because I get it because I get what it means to say, I choose to look at my pain. I choose to walk alongside with it. I choose to let it transform me. As I'm saying that I'm getting emotional, but understand how valuable it is and that we are so resilient spiritually resilient we are so grand inside that when it certain pains come to us sometimes it's just a path that our soul has to walk in this lifetime in order to truly fulfill its greater purpose from that understanding that is an amazing reward it absolutely is. And do you notice the synchronicity of your life now? Do you notice that it feels a little magical as things just come together? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
coming together with you, meeting you, that was spirit at work. Because at the time I put it out there and I said, spirit, please send me a kind, compassionate teacher that can guide me and can show me. And it didn't come immediately. I think it came at the time that I was ready to genuinely appreciate how you teach and how you guide because mm. you're so deep and so profound, but I needed to be ready for you. And then through, you know, through mutual acquaintances and here we are, and now we're doing a podcast together. <laughs> <laughs> doing a podcast about this beautiful topic. And one thing you'll learn about us is we're going to keep it real. Yes. We're going to keep it real. Cause there is absolutely that's all there is for sure any um any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with i know this process is scary i know it feels insurmountable to pay attention to pain to pay attention to your suffering to allow it to teach you but i would encourage you to do it little by little i would encourage you to find someone that you trust that you feel safe with that can be a witness to you if you don't know how to be a witness to yourself and you don't have to do this alone it's important that we have community. It's important we understand that there are people that will support us and guide us. If you don't have that person, I would encourage you to start looking. I would encourage you to start looking and find those people that can guide you yes. through this. And what I tend to find a lot is that people will ask, well, where do I look? You know, who do I reach out to? There's so much. I get it. Definitely start with people that you know that may know someone or they may know someone. But look, don't underestimate the power of petition to spirit. Really don't. Because when you do that, mm -hmm. like I said earlier, something opens up when we allow that connection to happen. Spirit and guides and our ancestors, they are never intrusive. That I have learned. They are not intrusive. They are not going to step into a space that you didn't allow them to step into. So when you open yourself up to them and you ask, please guide me to the person that is meant to receive me in the state that I'm in, you will get there. You will find that person. When that happens, you are going to be so glad that you opened that part of yourself, that you asked in that way. In, in that asking, you're surrendering. And it's beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Okay. Well, thank you all so much, so, so much for joining us. We will be posting uh, or uploading episodes every other week and we will have more fun topics for you all that are mixed with spirituality and psychology and astrology and all the real stuff that we have uh, to bring you all thank you so much for joining us thank you ashley for such a lovely topic and i look forward to having more conversations with you thank you millie i do too this is wonderful thank you guys Bye bye